Good morning, church. It's great to see you here. And for everyone online, it's good to have you also. We come to a time of communion this morning. And, and our focus for this morning, as we go through our, our foundation points of our, our vision, is to uh, making Christ known in and through our community. So Jesus himself commanded us to go, make disciples of all nations. And this includes our workspaces, our schools, the streets where we live. The, the places that you frequent. Let us remember that our faith is not meant to be hidden, but to be shared with those around us. As Gail said, we are moving quickly into Easter, into this time, and I too am a chocolate uh, fanatic, especially Easter chocolate. There's something about Easter chocolate, isn't there? It is good, it is good. But as we move towards, towards Easter, we're actually reminded of the public trial, the very public trial that Jesus faced in his last week. From riding in on a donkey to being whipped and beaten, he was on trial for all to see. His faith never wavered. Even when he asked that the cup be taken from him, he submitted, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' trial was a very public one. I wonder how we go in being uh, people of faith that is public. So this morning as we partake of the elements, the bread and the cup, let us remember the public sacrifice that Jesus made for us. His death and his resurrection have given us new life, a new hope, and it's through him that we've been brought back, we've been reconciled to God. Let us also remember as we take the elements that we're called to be his witnesses in the world. As we go about our daily lives, may we shine the light of Christ to all who see us, through our words and also through our actions. May we seek the opportunities that God gives us to share what this represents, new life in Christ. May this time of communion be a reminder of the great love that God has shown you and I through Jesus Christ. And may we be inspired to share that with others. I'm going to just allow a short time of silence as Jeanette comes up and Lee is going to uh, be at the back. Um, just a, a minute's silence and then I'll invite you forward. Um, I'll pray and then invite you forward uh, to either to the front or to the back. If you're in the foyer and you can hear us, just come through the doors there and you can partake through the back. Um, for communion. So let's stop and reflect on the person of Jesus, the very public person of Jesus. So God, as we come before you today to partake in the bread and the cup, we thank you for the great love that you've shown us through Jesus Christ. We remember his sacrifice on the cross and the new life we have through his resurrection. So God, this morning as we take uh, part in these symbols, we renew our commitment to follow you and to make Christ known in the world that we live.
in the communities that we live in, to our neighbours, to our friends, to our families. And God, we pray that you would give us boldness and wisdom to share that hope that we have. God, we pray for those who don't yet know you, that they would also come to know that great hope. May our words and our actions be a reflection of this meal, the love that you showed us. So we ask for your blessing on this time of communion, and we pray that as we partake of the bread and the cup, that we are reminded of you, the great sacrifice that you made. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In your time, please feel free to either come forward or head to the back and, uh, and receive uh, the communion today.
if you've still got your cup, I probably should have said, we try and hold our cup together, but if you've still got your cup, um, let's drink together. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this great reminder that we are to be your people in this world because of the love that you've shown us. That our activity in the world stems from the activity on the cross. Now, Lord, we want to give you thanks for this church, for your church. It is your church. And we ask, our God, that you help us to, to um, be the people of your church while we're here on a Sunday, but also as we head out into our work week, into our lives, into the families that we meet with. We pray for the people of this church, for those especially, who are still grieving the loss of loved ones. Lord, be with them. Give them a very sense of your presence. We pray for those who are not able to be here physically uh, for sickness or for ill health. Lord, I pray that you sustain them. May they know that you are with them and that they are part of the community of believers here of Kilsyth South. Our Lord, anyone that uh, is feeling down this morning, anyone who's feeling uh, a sense of uh, loss of identity, I just want to pray for them as well. May you pick them up to be who you've called them to be. Lord, I give you thanks for this church, your church. Amen. Amen. I invite um, Joel forward. That'd be great. He's going to read the Bible to us. Thanks, Joel. The Bible reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. And I'm reading from the NIV. So, yeah, 1 John chapter 3, 16 to 24. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay, our, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So... I'm going to invite Rod forward. Where's Rod? There he is. Um, because it's been exciting to, to see messages come through and the different things that are going on on a Wednesday night. So Rod's going to share a little bit about how the Two Sparrows coffee van has been getting out and doing some awesome things for God. So I will get your mic. Thanks, Rod. Hey. Share with us. Sure. Well, uh, hey, uh, what's your name? 
I'm Pete. Pete, good yeah. to meet you, Pete. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been okay. Has it been? Yeah, it has been. Look, yeah. um, I'd like to give you this little coupon. Oh, it's a free coffee of your choice. Uh, awesome. We got a little Two Sparrows coffee mm -hmm. cart just at the corner of Baronia train station Brilliant. behind the dry cleaners. We'd love for you to come. I'd love that. I Great. love coffee, so I will. I'll good. In my pocket. Scene two. <laughs> Hey, so good you came. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, yeah. Can I get my coffee? Yeah, absolutely. Carolina's is there in the oh. cart. She'd love to make that for you. Fantastic. Um, so tell me a little bit more. Are you from the area? Uh, yeah, I live in Croydon. Croydon. Great, yeah, great. Sort of around, just sort yeah. of mill around. Yeah, and how, how's your family? Do you have family here? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I've got, I've got my family. They're, they're at home tonight. So good. So have you ever had a time when things weren't quite going the way you wanted? Have you ever experienced that? Don't we all? Yeah. Oh, I know I have. Yeah. And I know, I, I, look, I really believe in a God that cares about us personally. Mm. And he's very present mm. when things don't seem to be going so well. Mm. Um, his word says that even though when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear things because he's there with us. Mm. And look, I've got this little Gospel of John, and it's got some great stories in it. Um, one of my favorites is when Jesus uh, came to the woman at the well, and he, she said, he, he told her that he could give her living water. And it made a big difference in her life. And I just, there's so many great stories in here. I wondered if you'd be interested in taking that. Hey, and always look, happy to read something. May, maybe you could come back next week and we could talk about what you think about mm. what you read. I'd, I'd mm. love to hear your opinion. That sounds great. Look. Can you uh, lead me to Christ? Um, I want to become a so Christian. That's, that's, that's not part of the script, Peter. <laughs> so, um, but look, would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? Would, I would, won't would, ever give up prayer. That's would fine. you be all right with That's that? Fine. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, I just want to tell you uh, and thank you for the opportunity to meet Peter today. It's such a privilege to know him personally. And God, I know you love him so much, and there are parts of his heart that no one else can actually uh, get at. And you can, God. And so I just pray this week you would really sense your presence with him. You would really sense that you love him because... You tell us in your word that you loved us so much, you gave your own son to die for us. So I pray that Peter would, would really sense that in a personal way, and uh, I pray that he would know that you love him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. That's what it's like on a Wednesday night. Um, we, uh, we try to engage with people. Um, our whole purpose for being there is to share the love of Jesus in dark places. And, um, you know, um, it's a long story, but if you talk to my wife, Carolina, uh, she's got her own journey, her own testimony. And um, I don't think it's by accident that she has that story and that together now uh, we've been able to be part of a great group of believers here to tell the love of Jesus to people that may never have heard it. Uh, try to give them a little encouragement with a cup of coffee and a piece of pizza and, and let them know that somebody cares about them. Um, so we do that, uh, try to do that consistently. I think we're going to be tested. I think it's going to get cold. It's going to get wet. It's going to get rainy. We're going to be stressed at work. We're going to have arguments. The tire is going to go flat and we still have to go, right? Um, do we know for sure what will happen? Nope. Um, do we have a guarantee that we're going to see things that are going to just let us know that that's why we were there? Are we going to see those types of things? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, it's not actually about us. It's about us just doing what we believe the Holy Spirit leading us to do. Um, and it's really up to him after that. Uh, this Wednesday, we went out, uh, we meet here for prayer, and I so appreciated the call to prayer. Without prayer, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without prayer, 
we're, we're, we're no match for the evil one. We're not, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Um, we really need the power of the Spirit to guide us. And so we meet here at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Uh, we had five people unified in prayer uh, this past Wednesday. We prayed for safety. We prayed for the parking spot. There's no guarantee. We don't have a guaranteed parking spot. We don't know for sure that we're going to be able to set up the cart when we go there. But so far, three weeks running, it's been full, then it empties, then we park. Um, so that's a small way, I think, that it just reminds us that it's not by might or power, but it's by his spirit that we do these things. Um, and then we set up, and, and usually after people go out, we need somebody to take that coupon out there. We've had a, a number of brothers and sisters helping us with that. And then people know we're there, and they sort of start filtering in. But this last Wednesday, uh, there was nobody there. There was nobody there at uh, 7 o'clock. And I thought, God, why are we here? There's no people. And I thought, okay, no, just a minute. The point is not that I get to see the people and I get to do the things that I think I should be doing. I just have to go there because I believe God's telling me to do that. And then the rest is up to him. So then we waited. And by 8 o'clock, we had lots of people. And uh, we had one gentleman uh, who was a Sikh. And he told me a lot about Guru Granth, the holy book of Sikhism. And he said, you know, the book says this, and there were 12 messengers, and they said that, and Sikhism believes this and believes that. And I said, okay, what do you believe? Well, it doesn't matter. It's Sikh tells me this and tells me that. I said, okay, um, but you've just said that they wear a turban. You're not wearing a turban. You just said they're vegetarians. You're, not, you're eating pizza. Well, uh, I said, are you liberal? Yeah, I'm kind of liberal. You could call me liberal. I said, okay. Um, well, then he shared with me that the beginning of Guru Granth talks about God and who God is, but we can't really know him because he's up there and holy and we're down here. And I said, that's interesting. Well, in this Gospel of John, which I don't have now because Peter's got it, but in my Gospel of John, I said, you know, can you read that for me? What, is, what does chapter 1 in the first verses say? He reads it, you know, well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Okay, well, would, you, would you like to have that? Yeah, I, I think I'll take this. I respect holy books. Well, how about you read that, and maybe come back next week and we talk about it? Yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. So that's just one example. Other folks are wrestling with severe substance uh, oppression. Other people are wrestling with spiritual oppression. Other people have lost their parents, lost their loved ones. There's a lot of pain on the street, right? And you can't fix it. Um, you can't fix the pain. But Jesus can do something in the inside. Jesus can do something in the mind. Jesus can do something in the heart that we can't do on our own. But just through prayer and encouragement, we can help be that hands and feet to somebody else. So if you really sense God calling you to bless other people when there's not necessarily anything in it for you, it's completely one way, right? It's going to take time. You're going to have to be on the street. You'll be out of your comfort zone. You might not know what to say, but God, Jesus said you might, know, you might not know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say at the right time. And so that's how we go out. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's cool too. We sure need prayer. I love the call to prayer for youth. We need prayer on Wednesday nights. Um, if you'd like to be on our newsletter, please let me know. Send me an email or tell Pete. He'll get it to me, and I'll send you on, put, put you on our, um, our list. And I try to send out a little info letter of what happened. We have a prayer list of everybody we meet. When we get the coupon, Carolina writes their name down and what they had and any comments about what they've said story-wise. And then I put that in our spreadsheet. And hopefully somebody, uh, hopefully we'll have people sign up to pray for these folks. So 
Thanks so much. Pretty exciting ministry, isn't it? It's very exciting and a real sense of um, when, we, when we sort of started on this journey of, of getting a, a coffee cart, uh, the journey was all about thinking about, well, how do we bless others? We originally thought about the schools, but what a great way, and you'll see up there, the different, different people come through and just are able to um, strike up conversations with our team, and what a blessing that is. So um, thanks, Rod. Thanks, Kaz. Um, it's, it's exciting. There is other opportunities um, there. Um, you don't need a qualification to be able to come out with Rod and Kaz and the team. You just have to have a heart that is for Jesus. So you might want to uh, consider coming along. You might even want to consider just coming here at 6 o'clock on Wednesday and pray. Even if you don't get out, that'll be a huge encouragement to the team. So please do consider that um, and, and go out and see what's going on. See what God does with that. Uh, it's a good segue to something I just want to share. We um, talked about in our church meeting uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, Two Sparrows uh, having a, a manager for that. We've got some money to uh, put someone on as a manager for a day a week uh, that was given to the church specifically for that role. Uh, We have got a role description that will be emailed out to everyone this week. Um, If you're not on the email list, like we've said before, make sure you come and see me. We'll get you on the email list, see Roe, see the Seek and Find table, get you on a list to be able to get all our emails. Um, But that's going to be out today. So uh, I'm sorry, this week. So you'll see that, see what it looks like, because there are so many opportunities coming forward to be able to bless our community. Uh, we've got to be wise as to how we use the, this, this cart. We can't just go, well, we're going to do everything and then deliver nothing. So we want to be wise about how we do that. So we need someone to help build teams to grow and help people into that space. So um, have a look at that. We'd love to be able to see if we can get some, uh, any, any applicants in, in the next two weeks. We'll see how that goes. We're praying for it. Well, over the last four weeks, we've been looking through our new vision statement. And if you uh, haven't picked up those cards a couple of weeks ago, they're out on the Seek and Find table. Um, if you haven't picked up a card, go grab a card, put it on your desk, um, on, on your desk at home, put it on your fridge, wherever you need to put it. If you need to grab a couple, that's fine. Um, but hopefully, um, uh, as you look at that, you'll be starting to get a bit of a grasp on, on the feel of where we believe as a, as a, as a leadership we were, were wanting to head the church. Over the past three weeks, we've hit three of the four foundations. I've been calling them pillars, and they haven't, that word just hasn't been sitting right with me, and I think uh, I've had a couple of conversations with people. So I think foundation sounds better. The things that the vision rests on. So I said pillars because a, a sort of a roof sits on a pillar, but foundations, that's much better, isn't it? So foundations, um, the, the things that the, the um, vision statement rests on. So today is the final one. We've looked at Faith Beyond Sunday. Um, what does it look like for a daily walk with Jesus? So what, what better time to actually consider that, for having a faith beyond Sunday, than through Lent? You might have uh, given up something for Lent. Some people give up chocolate. Tough gig through, through Easter, isn't it, Gail? Tough gig. Um, but some people might have given up something else. I want to encourage you. It's not too late to start a Lent journey. But instead of just giving something up, I want you to take something up as well. Take up a reading plan. Take up a, a setting out a half an hour of prayer. Take up something uh, for Easter as well. Uh, the second thing we looked at was building bridges into our community and how can we develop deepening relationships with those around us. 
non-threatening, deepening, authentic relationships. Last week we looked at the, um, how through actively serving others we actually become people who lead. Um, we become leaders in faith. And then today we get to our final foundation, making Christ known. And that's in its shortened form, so it fitted on the card. But what we would really love for us to remember is that we want KSBC to have a, a proactive commitment to making Christ known in our relationships and in the wider community. The Two Sparrows cart hits that really well. But I want to I I hear the stories of how that's happening in and around the community that you live. So this morning I want to explore how making Christ known as a, as a proactive statement, a, a doing word, not just making Christ known, but proactively making an active commitment to making Christ known as people of KSBC. <clears throat> but this morning I'm not going to talk about the how. I'm not going to talk about the, the four steps to be able to share your faith or anything like that. No uh, conversation starters. I'm not going to talk about the how this morning. We have a, a, if, if you want to know the how, we have some good resources to help you. Um, at the end of last year, we did an evangelism course with uh, Val Hopkin, a Canadian, who, who, who shared in such a, a, an easy way of how we can turn conversations to Christ, how we can wait on the Spirit, just like Rob was just saying, how can we can wait on the Spirit to bring conversations to Christ. You might have a small group, uh, be in a connect group, and think, I could, I'd love to run through that training with a connect group. You mightn't be in a connect group, but you might know two or three others who uh, think, I'd love to look through that training. Have a chat to them and say, would you like to come together once a week um, for the next five weeks to look through these videos? So just videos, we can give them to you. Um, there's no problems with that. Come and see me if you're interested in that. I'd love to chat through the, the how in that space. But that's not what we're going to do this morning. This morning, I want to answer the question, Why? Why should we relentlessly pursue this transition from being passive in an approach to making Christ known to being just proactive about making Christ known in our community? A lot of what I'll share this morning also comes from what uh, I went to a workshop through the week um, uh, that was, it was actually on anxiety, but it, it all made sense as I was sort of praying, well, what's God saying about this? And the why sort of came out of that. So a bit of that um, I'll be sharing for, uh, as well this morning in how and why we can make Christ known in and through our community. So let me pray and we'll explore the, uh, the scriptures and see where we get to. Our God, we thank you so much for this church again. Um, I thank you that you are uh, leading us into a space uh, where, as the people of God, we are uh, being community builders uh, we're developing our own faith that goes beyond the Sunday. We're being leaders in the way that we serve. And Lord, I pray that this morning you help us understand why we need to be actively pursuing uh, others to know Christ as well. So we give you thanks. Help us to understand this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So who, who, has anyone been roller skating recently? You know, the 80s craze roller skating? I haven't been for a long time, but I was at a roller skating rink back when the kids were quite young. It was a Saturday morning, it was cold, and, and I don't know if you remember the old roller skating rinks, they had the sticky floor, because yeah, people would go through with their drinks, and then they'd... That was me, and it'll all, all be on the floor. So the carpet was always sticky, so if you didn't have your skates on and you're going through, you're like... Ugh. It was just not nice. And, and so I remember being at this dark, dingy roller skating rink on a Saturday morning, a cold Saturday morning, 
and, um, and just being at a kid's party. That's where we were. So preparing, it wasn't my kid's party, it was another, another kid's party, preparing for these kids to come off the roller skating rink and then the chaos that comes when you try and get 20 kids into those little party rooms. I don't know if you can remember that or if you haven't quite got there with your kids, that's what it's like. It's chaos. They descend and then the food just goes everywhere and then they're gone again. It's unbelievable how it happens. Anyway, I was in this party room getting prepared with uh, this other uh, mother who, who was, whose son was having the party. And we'd gotten to know them pretty well. Um, I think the, the kids were about seven years old. And um, it was only a few weeks before Easter. So it was around this sort of time of the year. And, uh, and out of the blue, a question came to me from this mum. She said, My son's asked me to explain why we celebrate Easter. I didn't know what to say. Not, I, she asked that. I didn't know what to say. So she said, tell me, Pete, what is Easter actually about? As far as opportunities to share the gospel, pretty good opportunity on a silver platter. Uh, and in that moment, I stood tall and I delivered this stunning rendition of the gospel message. I speak, spoke with eloquence and bravado and the crowds came around and gathered and there was a revival breakout in the, in the skate rink. No, it wasn't what it happened. Like, not quite that way. But the question was very real. The question was very real. And I did have the opportunity to share the Easter story, to share the journey of Jesus to the cross, to die for our sins and the power of the resurrection. Now, I didn't say it in those words, but for three minutes I had this open opportunity to share the good news about Jesus with this mum who asked. Now, I don't know if she ever went back and shared that with her son. I don't know if she's from now where she, where she is at in faith or anything like that. I was able to say, hey, why don't you come to church over Easter? Opportunities for sharing our faith don't always come like that, do they? I'm sure if we had a, had a raise of hands, whether that question comes to you every, every second week, we wouldn't get many hands up. It's the same for me. In fact, as we lead into an increasingly post-Christendom society... The era, uh, the era of Bible literacy is gone. Our schools have little, if any, connection to faith, let alone Christian faith. And that's why we need to continue to pray for our chaplains. Generations are, are growing up without Bibles in their hands. They've got it on their phones, but do they use it? Generations are growing up uh, with the scrutiny of, of the church being shown in the media. And it only serves to play against the hope-filled message of Christ and the good actions that actually come from what God does in the church. That sounds pretty much a doom and gloom message, but it's not all doom and gloom. In fact, in the past, the darker times where society has been suppressing of faith, it seems to be the times where people have, have sort of reached out for something more. I want to know something other something greater than myself. And it's in these times that God opens opportunities for Christ followers, for you and I, to engage and share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We need to be as Peter 3.15 tells us. He says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. That's the starting point. In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. This is a reality that sits with us. Most of us find that really hard to do. Most of us find that really hard to engage other people in a faith conversation. 
And I think there's a few reasons why that is. I'm going to go through a few, and I wonder if you can relate to any of these. Firstly, there's a personal fear, a personal fear of evangelizing. It often involves stepping out of your own comfort zone and initiating conversations with strangers, like Rob was doing this morning, sharing about uh, conversations with strangers, about sharing faith with strangers. A lot of people find that difficult. Many people feel intimidated by having to do that, afraid to do it. Another one might be cultural differences. The way we understand the other, the way we understand approaches. It was great to hear about the Sikh and, and how Rob was able to just integrate a conversation of faith with him. But it can be difficult to communicate about your faith when someone else is coming back with a different sort of idea. Perhaps there's a fear of rejection. Evangelism can be emotionally challenging. It requires us to be vulnerable enough to share what we believe at the risk of rejection from others, or even hostility at times. So it can be discouraging, it can be sort of disheartening. Maybe, maybe it's about a lack of interest. You think, I won't go out and share because there's actually no interest in, in religion in our society, or my neighbours don't really want to know about what I do on a Sunday or about my faith. So I'll just put it at arm's length. Or the last one might be negative stereotypes. As I said earlier, uh, our, our media quite often portrays the church in a negative way. They could say, say people get the opinions or even past uh, um, experiences of church uh, find that the church can be pushy or judgmental or even manipulative. These stereotypes make it hard to engage with some people. Some people don't want to hear that at all. I think many of us would relate to at least a couple of, of these. In fact, uh, I think that even maybe the most gifted evangelists would relate to some of these. But if we consider each of these five reasons for sharing our faith story, at the heart of it, maybe not with the cultural differences, but at the heart of it, all the other four, the un underlying thought is about how the other sees me. Do, do I share because I think someone will see me through a negative experience of the church in the past? Do I not ask a faith conversation because of the way that, that maybe when I brought something up before, they didn't seem that interested? Do I shy away from engaging in a faith conversation because I fear rejection of the other? Or am I just afraid I'm going to make a fool of myself or fumble through my words so I'll just step back? Perhaps our worry about sharing or making Christ known is more about who we are and our understanding of ourselves. Who are we in Christ has to be the starting point of evangelism. In 1 John 3 that Joel read to us this morning, it sort of unpacks that a fair bit. The passage um, starts out that we're looking at starts in verse 16. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to keep it open. Um, but it sets the tone for the rest of the passage. And it emphasizes the depth of God's love for us. That Christ would lay down his life for us. Because that's the crux of the gospel, isn't it? God's great love shown through his great sacrifice um, for me and you. Sinners. Saved by amazing grace. That's the crux of the gospel. So John set out what it looks like in verses 17 and 18. If you have seen, if you have and see someone in need, you've got to show them pity. That's what he says. Because by doing this, you show them God's love. 
See, God is love and love is an action, one that involves Christ laying down his life for you and for me. So in verse 18, it says, show love, not just in words or in speech, but with actions and with truth. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you going? Oh, this could be cool. <laughs> it's all right, Ian. Don't, don't stress too much. Hi. <laughs> the songs will come on soon and you can play them. Sorry, Tarquin, you've lost your job. <laughs> Very cool. So, so verse 18, show, show, show love not just in words or speech, but with actions and with truth. All this sits up for the final five verses of the passage. We know that, that God's love through his action came on the cross for us. So we also should love through our actions. Now, you might think from these verses, uh, the rest of the chapter should now say, well, how do we do that? Now, John, give us some ideas of what we should do to love through our actions. Tell us the, 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 the four-point um, space so it gives me a good sermon sort of structure so that we can do that. But he doesn't do that, unfortunately. He doesn't give us those, those points. But we move into the rest of the chapter, and it actually turns introspective. It turns to discuss more about the state of your heart. So let's read that again, verses 19 and 20. It says this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Why, why step backwards and talk about the heart, especially when he's just touched on the need to show love, to do this action? Now, I think John actually knows a fair bit about the heart and how the heart works. And I know, I think he, he, can, he can see it, that there's a human element to us. He says in verses 19 and 20 that our heart can condemn us. John understands the human condition. He understands the human state. That word condemn that we see in verse 20 is, is actually in the Greek. It's katagnosko, big one. But it means to determine against or to blame, or to reprehend. So it's pretty, pretty severe sort of words. John is, is suggesting that he understands the human state that is represented by the heart in these passages. That the heart determines against our very selves. It blames ourselves. It reprehends ourselves because of the mess of our past, the mess of sin, the mess of decisions made. It lies to us. It tells us that you're not good enough. You can't do that. You can't know enough. It deceives us to think you can't be loved, that you're not pretty enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not funny enough. That's the state of our heart. It says sometimes you're not good enough. And John just says flat out, that's not true. That's not true. He says we can rest in God's presence, knowing that God is greater than anything of our hearts. That God knows anything, everything, and loves us regardless. That's why in verse 21, John tells us that if our hearts don't deceive us, we live into the truth that God is greater, that God is with us, that God knows better than we know ourselves. Therefore, we can have confidence before God. 
Let me read the message paraphrase. I think it helps in this space. It says this. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know that we're really living, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. That's the heart stuff, the debilitating self-criticism. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of, we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves. We're bold and we're free before God. We're able to stretch out our hands and receive what is asked because we're going to do what he says, doing what pleases him. I love that. I love that. It's saying that, you know what, no matter where we find ourselves, that God knows, and God knows even better. So the question I want you to consider this morning is this. Do you believe that God knows better? Do you believe that God is greater than our worried hearts? That God knows more about ourselves than we do? Do we live into that reality? Because as the message says, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, then we're bold and we're free before God. Imagine how that impacts how we see the other, the other person. God knows you. Scripture tells us God knows the number of hairs on your head, even if you lost a few this morning. He knows. God saw your unformed body in the womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't have any control over those things, but God knows. So why is it then, if God knows, why do I continually live my life as if I actually know more? Why do I think it's right to say that I'm right, therefore God must not be right? Do you remember those five excuses we made for not sharing our faith stories? Rejection, fear, what will others think of me? I won't do that because I don't know what they're going to say. They're all based around the, the way people see me rather than what God thinks of me. It's all wrapped up in our identity. So what are we going to do about it? How do we go about reminding ourselves that God knows you better than you know you? Got three things for us today. Firstly, look up and stop trying to save ourselves. Look up and stop trying to save ourselves. Now, I'm not a fisherman. Well, I try. I don't do very well. We're not, we're not the best fishermen, Solari and I, but we try. But I've never done crayfish fishing. I like crayfish and I eat them and I think it's a good idea to go crayfish fishing because they cost so much in the shops. So, but I believe that the, 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 um, the crayfish are not the smartest things in the world. Now, if you're a crayfish fisherman, please tell me if I'm wrong here. But what I believe is to catch a crayfish, you, you drop this, this crayfish pot into the water and you have to wait. But have you ever seen a crayfish pot? Hands up if, you, if you've done crayfishing. There's a few people. Okay, okay. So you'll, you'll be able to tell me how wrong I am here. But it makes a good illustration, so don't correct me here. Just tell me afterwards. Um, <laughs> the pot's a, f- a fairly simple contraption. It's got this round thing and they chuck it in the water and the crayfish, I think you put food in it, so the crayfish come into the pot and they sit in the bottom of the thing and they just they can't get out again. They're just stuck there. It's sort of made of either wire or um, mesh or whatever it might be. And they're stuck there. There's a hole that they crept through to get in and there's a hole that they could creep through to get out, but they just don't. 
they're never able to swim back out again. If only they'd just look up. If only they'd look up, they would be free. They wouldn't be on my dinner plate. Well, probably not my dinner plate, but the dinner plates of nice restaurants. The illustration is, is, is clear, isn't it? We're like those crayfish. We are, are free, but we sometimes swim into a space where we have our eyes only on ourselves. We only see the, the space around us and we get trapped, trapped by our failures, trapped by our fears, trapped by our hurts, our false ideas of who we are. Yet we have a way out. Jesus has given that, us that freedom. We don't need to live in a place where we have fear of what others think of us. We don't need to live in a space where we're concerned that if we share the love and grace of God with someone else that they're going to reject us. Because that's about them, that's not about you. It doesn't change how God sees us when the other has a go at us for our faith. If we only look up and see freedom that living in Christ offers. Jesus says, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what does the truth do? The truth will set you free. If our eyes are set on Christ, we will find freedom. And that freedom includes a freedom to make Christ known in and around your community. Freed people share about their freedom. Freed people are not concerned about what the other thinks of them. They're just totally grateful for the freedom that they've found. So don't get stuck in the cray pot. Look up and find the freedom you have in Christ. The second thing we can do is loving others starts by loving yourself. Verse 23 of 1 John 3 says, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. We are commanded that with God knowing us and with us, that we therefore must love the other. The great commandment actually tells us this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second's like this, the second great command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandments greater than these. Love God with all your heart, soul and mind. That's the start. Look up, get out of the pot. That's, that's the starting point. But the second is just as important. We focus on love others. But there's a bit more than just loving others, isn't it? Love others as you love yourself. If you wrestle with letting God take that control, if you're struggling to release who you are to God, you're probably not loving yourself well. Perhaps you have a slightly skewed view about loving ourselves because of how we go about our Aussie culture. Because perhaps if you say, I love myself, you're going to be labelled arrogant or selfish. No one, <clears throat> no one loves someone who promotes themselves, do they? In a way that, especially, in the, it often comes at the expense of another. And that's not what the commandment's saying. It's not saying that at all. Rather, it's about re recognising who you are, your worth as a child of God. It means, uh, I, I have this connection with God. And I understand that who I am as God's child is as important as how I love the other. It means having the freedom to treat yourself with the same kindness, compassion and respect that God has for us. I wonder if you can answer this question. What if there were at least blank to myself as God is to me? What if I were at least 
whatever it might be, to myself as God is to me. You can add all of God's character traits. What if I were at least as kind to myself as God is to me? What if I were at least as patient with myself as God is to me? What if I were at, at least as forgiving of myself as God is of me? Can you imagine how seeing ourselves this way can actually impact how we see others? Can you see how that impacts the foundation of how we love others with the same level of kindness and patience and forgiveness that God actually shows ourselves? If we're to make Christ known in our community, it starts by knowing who we are in Christ. And the third and the final thing is, remember God has the first and the last word. Has everyone ever met the Queen? Like physically met the Queen, not just saw her on television or anything like that? Anyone been in the presence of the Queen? No. No, it's not a, it wasn't a regular thing. Oh, we have got one? You have. Fantastic. When you met the Queen, um, did you say, hey, Queenie, high fives or anything like that? What, what's the protocol for, for meeting the Queen? You've got to let her speak first? Is that... Oh, right. Yeah, there you go. So the Queen, you know, hospitality thing. But um, if, you, if you're to meet the Queen, apparently you're not allowed to speak until she speaks. That's, so she, she starts, the, well, did. Obviously, she passed away. But I'd say it's probably the same with the, queen, the king now. Um, I had a, a, a mate in the UK who was a queen's physio. Um, real, real story. Um, no, uh, it wasn't the queen's physio. It was um, uh, Princess Diana's physio. It wasn't the queen's physio. It was Princess Diana's physio, physio. And he'd go into the royal palace and he'd meet the queen, meet people in the palace, and that sort of thing. Um, so he, he was the one that put the the uh, princess died through the most pain, I would say, because that's what physios do. Have we got any physios? Sorry, I just feel like that my experiences with physio is you put us through pain, and that's good. Sorry if I offend you. <laughs> but the queen, uh, whenever he met the queen, the queen would always have the first say. The queen would always have to speak first. You weren't to speak until this queen spoke to you as such. The other thing with the queen, you weren't allowed to leave her presence unless she gave you, uh, like early, you weren't, she had to be able to leave first. You weren't allowed to leave until she left unless you had the express blessing of the queen um, as such. In essence, in the queen's presence, she must have the first say and the last say. That was how the queen rolled. And I'd say that's probably the same with the king. So if you ever meet the king, don't just start saying g'day. Don't reach out and shake his hand or whatever. Just let him have the first word. But in Scripture, it's totally different. In Scripture, God gets the first word. In Genesis 1-3, God speaks creation into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. In John 1, we're told, in the beginning was the word. The queen is important. The king is important, sure. But God's word is the most important word to us. We must give God the first word in our lives. Our identity is based on the word of God. It means that we must need to know Christ, know the word. Often we take the first word when it comes to facing problems. I know how I can fix this. Often when our anxieties rise, we take the first word and go, what can I do to fix this? I'll do this. I'll take the control here. I'll put my word into play. Yet God has the first word. Giving God the first word in our difficult circumstances. Giving God the first word when a conversation comes with someone around faith. Giving God the first word allows us to bring God into the every space of our lives. Into our hardships, into our fears, into our concerns. 
If you go all the way to the end of Revelation, we find Jesus has the last word. Yes, I am coming soon. Revelation 22.20. Jesus' last word, though, it's not final, is it? It's a promise that whilst we have God with us through the Spirit, Jesus is coming again. God has the first and the final say in our lives. We can be confident in who we are in Christ because God's final say hasn't even finished. God's final say covers our fears. God's final say covers our hurts. Doesn't, doesn't mean they're not real in your life, but God's there because the, he says those things don't define you because Christ defines us. The final verse of 1 John 3 reminds us of this. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we'll know that he lives in us. We'll know it by the spirit he gave us. God gets the first and the last word and all the words in between. And we have those words through the scriptures, but through the spirit is in with, who is with us as well. So we can walk with courage. We can step out beyond fear when it comes to sharing Christ with others and the people around us. We need to remember that God is in control. We need to remember to look up and let him take our lives. We need to remember to love others, but love yourself first. And we need to give God the first and the last word in our lives. Making Christ known in our community starts with us knowing who we are and then living in that confidence. So this week, I want to give you a challenge. Before you head out to work, before you have your morning coffee, whatever, whatever it is in your day, I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to write the question that I shared. And I, Joe, I might get you to bring that next slide up um, already. Um, the question that I shared before and put it somewhere you're going to see it. And each day I want you to add another adjective into the, 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 the blank space. And I'd love to, you to live into that adjective. So what if I were at least whatever that might be to myself as God is to me? And then I want you to pray. I want you to pray, God, help me be at least, be as uh, to myself as you are to me. Live into the reality that God is with us. Let's be a church that lives into the people that God created us to be. Because when we do, the making Christ known section, the, 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 the how, will come a lot easier for us. It will start to look very different as we see the other in a different light as well. Let me, let me pray. I'm going to invite the band forward and um, we're going to finish off with a, a song. But I'm going to pray as we do that. Now, Lord and God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to be in you. That through our fears, our worries, our hurts, our past, that God, that you are with us. That your promises are that you know us better than we know ourselves that, God, you will do no harm to us. So, God, as we live into this space, may we live into it confidently. May we share openly. May we see our relationships grow deeper that we may share about the hope that we have in you. So we give you thanks and praise, our Lord, that you are good and your love endures forever. Amen.